to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the text of the first few verses from the Gospel reading. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, last week, if you remember, the Lord Jesus blessed you with his Beatitudes. But today, <laughs> today he's into name calling. Yes, that's right. He calls you names. You, his disciples, his faithers, he calls salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, he says. You are the light of the world. <laughs> Leave it to Jesus. Now, you've been called many names in your life. Me too. And many I can't repeat here today from the pulpit because the sermon has to be G-rated. But I think it's safe to say that no one has ever called you salt <laughs> or light. Jesus does. Again, leave it to the Lord. You are the salt of the earth, he says. Salt, what does it do? It seasons, it purifies, it preserves. Salt is extremely useful stuff. You don't need a lot of it, at least that's what the doctor says. Just sprinkle it on a meal to tickle the taste buds. A little goes a long way. In our Lord's day, <clears throat> salt was used to preserve meat from spoiling. Um, sacrifices were sprinkled with the salt of the covenant in the Old Testament. Salt was used to disinfect wounds, and it was rubbed on the skins of newborns to protect them from various diseases. So, when Jesus calls you, his blessed believer, salt, he also speaks of all the good use that he has for you as salt in the world. Jesus, he has his faithers sprinkled, if you will, scattered and spread all over the world, seasoning it with salty preaching and teaching of our Lord's Good Friday death and Easter Sunday resurrection. All you have to do is read the book of Acts in the New Testament and you'll see how that happens. Whatever God salt shakers you out, or whenever he salt shakers you out, your family, your community, your work, your school, there you are salt, salting and seasoning in a little corner of the world with Savior of the world, Jesus, as one of his salty, baptized believers. You are the salt of the earth. Not the sugar of the earth. Not sweetness and syrupiness. That's not what Jesus calls for. Salt, biting, stinging, preserving, purifying salt. Your little goes a long way, longer than you ever realize or imagine. You are salt, brothers and sisters, as you are a hanger-on of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are salt as you die and rise with Jesus. You are salt as you live and move and have your being in Jesus and not in yourself. <clears throat> so your saltiness isn't yours. It's Christ's. He is what makes you salty, just as Jesus is the one who makes you light. Our Lord's death and life at work in you are what give you, his disciples, that peculiar edge. Without Christ's death and life, there's no salt in you. 
Without Jesus, you're simply tasteless salt, salt that has lost its savor, salt that is good for nothing except to be put on the road and trampled by people's feet. Now, how in the world can a disciple of Jesus lose his or her saltiness? Well, here's the answer. By fixing your faith on someone or something else other than, that's right, Jesus. Or if you try to justify yourself or if you try to atone for your own sins in some way, shape, or form, you lose your saltiness. When you will not be given to by the Lord Jesus, his Good Friday forgiveness and word and sacrament and try to be spiritual without being institutionally religious, yeah, you're going to lose your saltiness. I'm here to tell you, are you listening? I'm here to tell you that spirituality, without the death and resurrection of Jesus, is like salt that has lost its bite. It's worthless. It's fit only for the dumpster. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A city on a hill, a lamp on a stand. Jesus is the light of the world too. You remember that, don't you? In fact, Jesus is the source. And you, the disciple of Jesus, you are the reflection. Like the moon reflecting the sun's rays, Jesus is the light, and you, the disciple of Jesus, reflect his light into the darkness of this world. And so, like salt, light makes a difference. It's noticed, it's hard to hide, like a shining city on a hill that can be seen for miles around, or like a lamp that is set on a stand and fills the entire house with light. So enlightened, or faith in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, you are light. That is why, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, this is why at every baptism we give a lit candle to the newly baptized. It's a little symbolic gesture that reminds us that we are light. Thanks to Jesus, our capital L light. So we as disciples of Jesus, we reflect Jesus in what we do and what we say in the world. Listen to what Jesus said. It's going to blow your mind. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your what? <laughs> your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. <laughs> did Jesus just say good works? <laughs> yes, he did. Jesus is very concerned about good works. He wants them to be done by his salt and light faithers in him. The proper place for good works is, as Jesus says, for the sake of others, for the neighbor, for your spouse, for your children, for your fellow church or community members the people that God's put into your life. All you have to do is take out your small catechism later today, don't do it now, but later, and review the meanings of the Ten Commandments, especially the, the good works that God wants you to do. I'll give you four examples. The good works that Jesus wants you to do from the Third Commandment, yes, is for the sake of your neighbor, and that's to hold God's word sacred and to gladly hear and learn God's word. The Lord's good use of you as salt and light with the fifth commandment is to help and support your neighbor in every physical need. The Lord's good use of you with regard to the sixth commandment so that you can be salt and light is for you to love and honor your spouse in marital faithfulness. The good works that the Lord wants you to do as salt and light in the world in connection with the seventh commandment is to help your neighbor and to improve and protect his possessions and income. Jesus shines his light on your service of love to others not so that you can see them, 
or so that God can see them. But so your neighbor can see them. What did Jesus say? Listen to what he said. He said, let your light shine before others so that they, the others, may see your good works. Now, brothers and sisters, you cannot see faith in Jesus because faith is a matter of the heart. I can't see what's inside your heart or your faith, and you can't see mine. But works and deeds, ah, those now you can see. And so faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is made visible by what you do. The New Testament epistle of James reminds us LCMSers that we can talk all we want about faith, but it doesn't mean a thing. It's like saying be warm to a person who needs a coat or be filled to a person who's starving. Faith talk is meaningless to others because faith is between you and God. God sees your faith. God sees your faith. People see your what? Your works. Keep that straight. We have a hymn that's in our hymnal, and it comes from the 1500s. It goes like this. Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing. And by its fruits, true faith is known. With love and hope increasing, for faith alone can justify Works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. Yes, brothers and sisters, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. I'm talking about people, especially unbelievers. They are watching all of us very closely. They are somewhat interested about Christianity. And they want to see the difference that it makes in your life. They need to see the light. They need to, to smell and taste the saltiness. So there's no point in talking about your faith because, well, that's your faith. It doesn't mean anything to anybody else. Instead, show your faith with what you do. Good works. And the biggest good work is regularly receiving from Jesus, regularly hearing his word, and receiving his forgiveness in the divine service on Sundays. If you say that you believe in Jesus, but won't go to church, your actions reveal most likely what's in your heart. But when you regularly attend, people take notice and they become interested in Christianity. In addition, there are all those concrete, everyday, ordinary, Get your fingernails dirty, calluses on your hands, self-sacrificial good works, and those too make an impression. Those inspire and they sway people. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. In the second century, who did the vast majority of social work in Egypt? The Christians did. And they were the minority of the Egyptian population. In the early church, it was the Christians who went to the poor and assisted them. It was the Christians who fed the hungry. It was the Christians who clothed the naked, as we heard today from Isaiah 58. They took care of the widows and the orphans. The Christians helped the elderly and the unborn. 
And why did they do these things? Oh, not to merit God's favor or to earn their salvation, but to serve their neighbor in love. And people took notice. They wanted to know more about those Christians who went out of their way to do helpful things. Brothers and sisters, wherever God has put you, I want you to find out what the needs are. And why don't you try this? Fill one or two of them in the name of Jesus. The Old Testament reading put it this way today, to share your bread with the hungry or bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, cover him. Yes, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. He gets the glory, you don't. <laughs> Keep that straight. So, brothers and sisters, happy being light and happy being salt. This is indeed the Lord's good use of you. And what joy it is. In the name of Jesus. Amen.